That's some sensational catch. Absolutely brilliant from Hooper. Was hit back firmly by Mayallo. Hammered down the ground. It could fly all the way for a maximum. It's going to soar into the sky. That's the six they needed. That's 50 for Forbrush. What a knock that is from him. Outstanding striking. And that six brings Guernsey back into the game. Could be a catch. Oh. What a catch. One-handed grab. And that's Josh Butler, the captain. Oh, my days. We have been treated to some catches in this tournament. Welcome to Guernsey Cricket's podcast. I'm Ben Fairbrush, Cricket Development Manager. On this podcast, we're going to be chatting to players older than you, coaches, administrators, and hopefully a few other cricketing communities along the way. In today's pod, I'm catching up with Ash Wright, following his four years in the position of head coach of Guernsey Cricket. Now then, how are you? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, all good, yeah. Amazing it's that like we can get technology to work for you. Right, it's like watching one of the chimpanzees in the PG Tips adverts. <laughs> trying to get it. <laughs> the worst was the first time I ever used it. I had to host a meeting. Well, it was about trying to get this thing to work. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nice tap. It's getting there, that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, it's not bad. But, I mean, it's been about five weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Okay, welcome to the pod, Ash Wright. How has lockdown been for you? Yeah, brilliant, to be honest. It's been amazing. I did two weeks longer than everyone else in me because all my work got shut down um, from 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 then. So it's been a long stint. But uh, to be honest, I'm, I'm not that worried about sitting about and doing nothing. It's more frustrating watching all the rubbish that's on Twitter all the time from people and stuff like that. It's driving me absolutely nuts uh, with it all. But yeah... Uh, and with with that, you're obviously working with a few of the first team at, at Sussex. What's their training schedule looking like? Do, do they still train or are they just doing stuff from home? Well, the, the thing is, everyone's furloughed at the minute, so they sort of can't do anything. So they've been put on lockdown. They've kept an S&C coach um, working. So I think every other day they do like a bit of a fitness session, but it's voluntary. So some do it, some don't. Um, but most of the lads, I think they're just getting a bit fidgety because it's, it's, it depends on where you live. If Obviously, if you're living in a flat or something, it's a lot different experience than if you've got a garden. So the lads have been trying to keep themselves as busy as they can, speak to each other on Zoom and bits and bobs. But I think they're all getting a bit frustrated. And, and, the, and the thing is, as well, it's, um, it's looking like we're here for quite a while at the minute and, and the season's looking a little bit doubtful. So it's a strange one for the cricketers because they're trying to keep on top as much as they can um, with the idea that they might be playing. But but realistically, they're probably not. I think they've been told they've been given uh, a month to prepare before any game would start. All right. Right, yeah. That's sort of different for us over here is we could potentially be going into a tournament having almost played no cricket uh, at the drop of a hat. We feel that that could be something. Same as usual, then. Yeah. <laughs> no comment in my position. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so let's let's go back to the start for you. Uh, born and raised in Lincolnshire, I believe. Um, what's your earliest memories of, of cricket? Um, cricket, I, it was bizarre. I started at 13 years old because I liked the kit. So I played at 13 and from 13 years old, I practised every single day. Um, and I remember getting my mum in the garden to bowl at me and my dad and everything. And it was, it, and then at 16, I was on the professional staff at Leicester. Yeah, so that was something I'm going to I'm going to touch on is is the Leicester days. Obviously, 
Keith must have worn off on you then with, with your love of kicks. I think he likes selling things out the boot of his car, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. I mean, I, with my old man, he's like, it's bizarre. The amount of cricket he's produced is unbelievable, really. I mean, like people like Brodie and Harry Gurney have all gone through his systems and they still speak to him now about stuff. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like such an old school coach, but I think just because of his passion towards the game and stuff, it makes you want to, makes you want to play. But yeah, it's, um, it seems a long time ago that did, but I think, the biggest thing I remember is I, if I missed a day of playing cricket, I'd be devastated. And it was just the fact every day you did it, you did it as hard as you possibly can. Like it was the fastest bowler you could face or, you know, you're always trying to push yourself. And looking back, now I know a little bit more about coaching. The way I practiced when I was younger was actually really good. It was, you know, you didn't know, you just did it. But to actually practice like that is, is sort of what you were meant to do, which is probably why I ended up on the staff by the time I was 16. Yeah, so, so on that, obviously, your, your brother's been pretty successful as well. Um, how was that growing up? Did, did you play in the garden a lot? Was he a bowler then, or were you just a batter? Yeah, I mean, he's, I mean, for him, again, when you look at talent ID, it was perfect for him, because I'd have all the Leicester lads coming round and would be in the garden, you know, playing cricket as hard as you can. And he was obviously five years younger, so he's trying to compete and, and do that. So for his learning, I mean, that's why he's ended up playing for England, I would imagine, the fact that, and he, when he was going through, his he's just challenge was so hard and he was desperate to do it and desperate to win. Um, and he went through, like I say, same pathway as me, as in he practised really hard, but he'd got a challenge of five years above him. And in general, professional cricketers coming in, running in, bowling at him. I remember at 16 years old, he used to have Devon Malcolm running in the nets at him in the indoor school. You know, that sort of stuff just doesn't doesn't happen anymore because bowlers don't seem to bowl indoors. And um, we'd now sidearm most of the time and... And, and I don't know, it just seems to have changed the way we go about cricket. Yeah, it was actually something that, that Skeg picked up on. He, he said that he would have, I asked Skeg to do a, uh, the best team that he's, he's coached. He did a test in a one-day team uh, on the last pod. Uh, and he had, he had your brother in the reserves, unfortunately. He said, right, he's going to kill me for it. But he said he, he's made the reserve list. He said, but someone that... He said, think he'd be happy. Um, so yeah, you touched on Leicestershire. You were there from 99 till 2002. What were your memories of that? Of that? How was that for you? To be honest, it was sort of it was so strange. I think it, it it sort of it was one of the best times of my life with it. But it was so hard. It was so different back then. You literally, it was like you you only currency was runs. You know, it didn't really matter what you did if you scored runs, and and it was all about that. And if you scored runs, everyone liked you. If you didn't score runs, everyone hated you. It was it was tough, you know. But it was sort of you loved it because it, you know you'd have to knock to go in the changing room or. You know, there was a big divide between a cat player and a non-cat player. But then if you had any sort of success, it felt amazing. I remember the day I got my second team cap was one of the proudest things that's ever happened. You know, and then my next goal was then to get into the first team. You get in the first team and then your next goal is to try and get your first team cap, which didn't happen. But it always set goals and it was always like, it was tough. But it was sort of when you got through that challenge, you just, I don't know, you felt amazing and loved the people around you, even though... Occasionally, they were quite brutal towards you. And then you obviously did the same to the people under you. Yeah, so you, you played a list A game for them in the NatWest Trophy in 2000 and scored 112 against Durham. Do you have any memories of that? Well, I do because it was brilliant because it was raining on the night. So we went out and got absolutely smashed and literally no one wanted to play. And we got up the next day. And no one could be bothered to open the bang. So they basically just pushed me in. And I was like, I started feeling sick and all sorts of things. You know, when you just cannot be bothered because all you're trying to focus on is not being sick. 
it was probably not being one of the best innings I've ever played. It was unbelievable. A bit of a green seam. There was a lot of playing and missing, but I was, yeah. The, the, the strange thing is, go, go back then, it was all about first-class cricket. So when I played in the first, because I was better at one-day cricket, whenever I played in the one-day stuff or whatever happened, it, did, it was sort of a bit irrelevant. You didn't even think about it because it was all about first-class cricket. Where obviously now, if you look at it, the lads all come through and it's really about 20-20 cricket and first-class cricket isn't quite as big. So it completely flipped. But, but looking back at the time when I got the 100, it probably means more to me now, looking at it's a list A 100, than back then it was just a game of cricket sort of thing, getting ready to play the first team uh, for first-class cricket. After sort of Leicester, you, your, well, your whole family moved down to, to Sussex, um, which is obviously where Luke's still playing. You, you started doing some coaching in the junior pathways there. How was that the transition from sort of wanting to be the professional to then going into uh, realistically professional coaching? Yeah, well, I think it was because, like I say, from from 13, all you want to do is be a professional cricketer. So when I got released at 22, I think it was, I basically trialled for every county. And I, I ended up at Sussex. So I trialled, I'd done all right against Sussex. So at the time, it was Peter Moore. He invited me down for a trial with, with Sussex. And... I end up staying with Mark Robinson for the trial and somehow, I don't know how it happened, but I end up going out on a night out and locking Mark Robinson out of the house. <laughs> anyway, I went to the Nets the next day and the ladder I was with didn't turn up so I didn't have any trainers with me. So I've ended up going down and batting in a classic winkle picker <laughs> in the net. And I remember batting, I was batting all right and I saw Mark Robinson arrive. At the time, I didn't obviously realise he'd been locked out of his house and spent the night in, in his car. So I can see him kicking off at the bottom of the nets. And the next minute, the nets stop. And Peter Moores has come up to me. And he's like, just so you know, uh, you locked Rob out of the house last night. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. He goes, and why have you got a classic boating shoe on your foot? I was like, um, I'm not, no, it's not a boating shoe. It's a winkle picker. <laughs> he just looked at me and walked off. And I think I played about one more game and that was it for me. But... Um, yeah, so I end up down there, but, but, but going back to the, the, the thing with Sussex, it was such a sort of family club. So once I'd come out of cricket, it was almost, right, I don't, know what I, I don't know what I do. I need to stay into cricket. I was always quite passionate about movement and stuff because of experiences I'd had when I was, when I was a cricketer working with the biomechanist, which was like 20 years ahead of his time. But he made me better, but it was just too advanced at the time. I'd got so much sort of abuse for using him and stuff. So I started to go into that and I thought my way back in would potentially be through SNC. So I got into the SNC part of it really and it was through I only really went to SNC to get back into coaching. So luckily at the time, you know, Sussex was like, Well look, if you're doing nothing, get yourself back down here and start doing a bit of coaching. And I end up doing that and it really took off and then I end up enjoying coaching more than, than playing really. Yeah, and then and then following on from that, you obviously did a very similar role at, at Surrey, strength and conditioning coach and analyst as well, weren't you at Surrey? No, well, what happened at Surrey, which was, um, I'd, I'd been coaching a little bit, doing bits and bobs. I think just before Surrey had done an internship with Pune in the IPL, just through Luke, gone and like just gone and done a couple of weeks free, free of charge sort of thing. So suddenly the job came up at Surrey, um, and it was Chris Adams who was there, who I knew, which was always handy. And Chris basically said he wanted an S&C coach who'd also played cricket. Because, you know, back back then at that time, it was obviously s was important. But at most of the time, you were a bit of a dog's body. You end up throwing balls and doing whatever. So it went down to the end up being two of us who went for the interview. And I knew Grits, so I got the job. Which was amazing for me because it's sort of where my coaching really kicked off. Because um, at such a, at a club like Surrey, it's full of such big guns. 
um, which was amazing. You know, it's quite a scary place for the lads who are trying to trying to get better. So what you'd find a lot happen would be like the big guns would be there with them. But then when the lads wanted to do something properly, they'd literally come over to me and I'd be throwing at them and doing whatever because I was no threat. So they'd just be like, oh, look, I was doing this last week. What's happening this week? You know, what's happening with my front arm, whatever sort of thing. And I, I didn't even think I was coaching at the time. All I was doing was basically throwing balls and watching players. But they'd all literally come to us because, like I say, it was no threat and then go back to the big gun coaches and make the decisions. And it sort of made me realise, actually... I quite enjoy it. So, uh, so that was that was with Surrey. Um, until unfortunately, after we we'd won the one day, um, I think it was the Nat West at the time, had a great year, got promoted, and it was all going well. Grizz was building a great team, and then unfortunately, the year after, we had the tragedy of Tom Maynard dying, and uh, the wheels fell off a lot, to be honest. And and that was my last year. So yeah, as you mentioned there, that was a terrible story, not only for Surrey but for everyone involved in cricket. Following that, you joined Guernsey Cricket. How was that, coming from the professional background straight into amateur sport? Something that Skeg touched on last week, where people often don't want to play cricket at the weekends. They'd rather go to the beach, go surfing, go wherever. Yeah, well, uh, well, I, I did another little stint at Sussex in between that and then, then came across. That's how I ended up at Guernsey, because of the connection with, with Sussex. So I, I think I'd done two years in the pathway in Sussex before right. I came across. But I remember landing on the island, and I'd been I'd been there when I was about 17, I think, if we look, when we looked in the scorebook, on some benefit thing. But I couldn't remember a thing about the island. So I remember landing on the island and Shambles picking us up, and he was driving us through to the ground. And we got to the ground and suddenly received a phone call, and he seemed to almost do an handbrake turn, whip me around the island about 100 times because there was someone there who he wasn't that keen on me beating <laughs> when I first got there, who you probably know it was. Yeah, I got got in and it was, it was. I remember just thinking, I went, Shambles took me to the under 15s training for the first time. And I remember we were going to start at six o'clock and it was about 10 past six when everyone rocked in and I just couldn't get my head around it. It just, it was, it was crazy. It was crazy. But I just remember thinking about how good all the facilities were. And at the time you're like, right, I can't get my head around what's been going on before. I'm just going to implement an English way of what we did in England. It has to work in Guernsey. Um, and it took me a long time to realise that it's it's different. Everyone says it's different, but, you know, we're different. Guernsey's completely different from the UK of how things go about it. Different, completely different from Jersey. It's its own little area. And it's sort of how you can develop the cricketers there within their own way, which is which is a massive challenge. Yeah, like you said there, we've, the facilities we've got are unbelievable. A great cricket ground with grass net as well, uh, when the ground staff allow us to use them. And then the uh, we've got the ICG or the ISC as it's called now, which unfortunately for you actually during your time, we had to use uh, Bowcamp School, which was the, the wooden floors and, and the mats, which either you put the mats down and it bounced over your head or you took them out and it went underneath your shoes. So it was a, a tough winter there, which, yeah, you know, it wasn't the easiest, whereas we had a great facility which wasn't being used for cricket. With, with Guernsey as well, do you have any real standout moments and fun memories? Uh, is there any, like, real clear ones that stand out and you think, oh, it was a great day for us? No, look, I, yeah, 100%. I, I love it. I actually genuinely miss the place. You know, like, the, the island and the people are, are amazing. I think... For myself personally, it was one of the best internships I've ever done. I know coming back to Sussex, I'm far better coach at Sussex now than when I left. It's such a challenge in Guernsey because it's so different. I mean, one of the biggest factors is obviously there's just like relative to everywhere else, there's hardly anyone playing cricket, you know. And and again, it's it's amateur cricket. There's probably only potentially four people 
at any one time who, if that, who will really want to be, say, like a professional cricketer or whatever, you know. So it's, 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 it's a massive challenge um, there. But I think, like I say, that's what makes it so good. And like you said there, you know, in associate cricket, it's hard because you don't play that much cricket. And, you know, there's always financial pressure. Like you said, we lose an indoor school. Well, suddenly that messes up your whole winter programme. You know, like, something's always happens which, you know, a player gets injured. Well, you've probably only got 12 players to choose from. One gets injured. You suddenly, like, it, it changes. But I think the biggest the biggest highlight to me is, like, say, I was really chuffed with how we played when we went to the Sussex League. I think yeah, so for me, when I'd... One of my questions, you were, like, a, a driving force behind going into the Sussex League. For us, it was a, a complete different challenge. Uh, obviously, in Guernsey, we only play uh, colour clothing, white ball cricket. Uh, and we were going to the Sussex League playing in whites and red bulls, which were strong around corners. Mm. I think the first game we ever, we ever played, GH played for us and kept them parking a lad in the road. And he didn't know what to do because usually everyone would leave that ball, whereas GH didn't quite appreciate and kept them putting him back over his head. Yeah, I, well, I remember, I can't remember who it was. It wasn't, it wasn't Jamie. I don't know who was captain him for, for some reason. But I remember they tried to put one man back at long off and pulled someone in from third man. Well, there's no circle. So I was like, look, you don't have to keep bringing people in and out. You can leave as many out as well. But no, I look, the thing is, I think it was when I first got the thing at highlight, I was desperate to try and get the batting better, you know, as it being my specialist sort of skill anyway. And I'd look through averages and look through scores. And, you know, batting seemed to be the issue. Everyone was always kicking off. But I looked at the players and we'd got some serious talent. And I couldn't get my head around how these lads weren't scoring more runs. Even like in the youth systems, you know, we got our best player averaging two. This is the bit I was most proud of, is actually over that two-year period of how we got the bat as better. And the Sussex League was massive in that, as well as that camp to India. And although then when we went to South Africa, we, we, we lost, we ended up, we, didn't come, we stayed in or came down, whatever, it, however it worked. Our batting was absolutely awesome. You know, we ended up with batters who were in the top 10 batters in that competition and stuff like that. So even though the team didn't do so well in that competition, for me, it was a massive tick because of how we, we played as batters. And including yourself, I think that was probably one of the turning tournaments for you, where suddenly you absolutely nailed your place in the, in the team. And, you know, we, we, from there we started to go. As soon as we had to pull out of the Sussex League, for financial reasons, obviously, which was a shame because we just got up to up to the up to the point of getting into the Prem, yeah. then as we can see as it's gone on, you know, batting's become harder again. I think, like I say, as an actual achievement, the best I ever felt um, was when we got promoted in in Netherlands yeah. to get into worldly, into the um, first division of there. And, and, and looking back, I sort of think if I'd have had an opportunity, it was probably, I'd have... I'd have quite liked to have got left after that point there because we did quite well in the 19s as well. We're obviously robbed out of that tournament that we went to by some dodgy scoring. But, you know, we end up nearly getting promoted with the under-19s. We also then got promoted with the first team. And it was sort of that point where if there was potentially an opportunity for me to move on, I'd have said, you know what, I think I've, I've reached what I can now. I don't know if I can do any more. For me, I think it's there. But then looking over the corner and seeing the fact that there was a tournament coming to Guernsey, it was just like, oh, I'd need to be part of that. It'd be, it's, you know, to have, have it on the home soil to get all the kids involved and do that, it'd be, be absolutely amazing. And I'm glad I stayed, but looking back, you know, it's, it's, it's one of them things where that, that's probably a bit of a turning point. But, you know, Guernsey for me, 
amazing, like I say. I've, I've loved it to bits. So you stayed, and not only did you stay, you actually then, after that period, qualified for Guernsey. So, so you played in the tournament for us. How, how did you find that going from coaching and playing? Obviously, we had Finchie who was there helping out, uh, which was brilliant. So sort of like a team manager, although he's, he's quite an intense bloke. Um, yeah. He's a great bloke. If you don't know him, you'd probably hate him. If you know him, he's the best bloke you know. So. Yeah, I think you described him perfectly which is sort of how I was with him before I met him. He's become one of the best mates. But yeah, he's, um, yeah, I, I, I've always loved McCree. I mean, I love playing on Ireland when I started off playing at Cove or whatever. And I had a great time. And obviously I was doing well to play. It was a massive decision to go in there, which was sort of like pushed a little bit through other people because of, it, it, you know, it was, I was a bit old, a bit fat, and it's hard work being a coach at the same time. So for me, it was a massive thing. If it, I think I was getting at that point, I was so frustrated with certain people not being available or not doing, you know, I enjoyed it. It was just very different again. I think if I'd have enjoyed it more if I'd have done it without being the coach, you know, like that. Yeah. And then I could have thrown yeah. something. But the hardest thing for me is I'm a sort of person who loves prep, loves training love that and it's very hard to do your own stuff when you're trying to get other people ready as well I was actually although the feel of it when we left that tournament wasn't great I was absolutely chuffed with how we played I mean we spoke about before the tournament if we win two games we've done amazing we won two games and played pretty well and I think really we should have won one more when you got your 60 odd or whatever against um, Italy if we'd have won that it'd have been an absolutely amazing tournament but we came out of that tournament feeling pretty low, but actually, you know, I think we, we did really well, really. Yeah, I think, so, I think we were the, the lowest ranked team in the tournament, weren't we? So I know the rankings are a little bit up in the air at the moment, but yeah, we, we defeated Norway, we defeated Denmark, uh, got close to Italy. Obviously, Germany are a, a different kettle of fish at the moment with their pros they can just call upon. Um, I mean, I think their keeper got injured, so they've called in a guy from Durham, which, which we don't have access to that, which is, I think that's one of the big challenges in Guernsey is, what we have is what we've got. We don't, we don't just find people who are just coming out of the woodwork from county cricket, from one of the German guys who's an Afghanistani international. No, he's playing for Germany. If you look at actually the youth system, I mean, we, in, in Sussex, there's, I think there's nearly, is there 800 kids in a youth system? Yeah. yeah. Where you might end up producing one. Yeah. When you think of actually Guernsey, the, you know, the, what is there in the actual, like the actual pathway part, including, excluding all the other stuff? There's probably about 100 in that. Yeah, so we're, this year we were up to about 100. And that, that's excluding uh, the future stuff. Actually, the youth works really well. Yeah, definitely. That leads me on to my next question. What were your thoughts on the standard of associate cricket? Obviously, not knowing a huge amount about associate cricket before coming to the island and then getting exposed to it. I think last year was the highest level we played at under your reign. Um, and potentially maybe in South Africa as well, when we played against the likes of Italy, Germany, Qatar, and obviously Jersey, who were exceptionally strong. I mean, look, and we have to say as well, which really hurts me, is that Jersey are a very good team as well. You know what I mean? We play them every other day. Um, I think what, when it was when I, when I first came over, that was probably one of the hardest things about the job, was, you know, normally if you go to somewhere else, you know a little bit about the players. But at the time, to try and find out about you boys, you just didn't know who was who, what was happening. But I remember picking the first team, we had to pick it from indoor nets. We hadn't played a game of cricket before we went away. But the, the thing is, which I find with the social cricket, I think it's um, it's amazing cricket. It's awesome. Like, if you look at it standard for standard, you go, you go, you, you look at, say, first class cricket and stuff like that. We go, well, that's far higher standard, yes. But 
in associate cricket, the pressure that you always play under makes it such exciting cricket. And, you know, in general, you're sometimes not playing on the best of wickets or whatever it is. But every single game you play is like a World Cup final because you don't play that much, much cricket every, anyway. Anything that you, you're playing for, you're either, you know, you lose one game in a tournament and you're not going to get promoted. It's, it's massive. Um, and you can see that's, that's how it's played. It makes it so exciting. And, and the big thing for me is these interinsulars. I mean, when I first got there and everyone was talking about the interinsulars, I was thinking, what a load of jazz. You know what I mean? The ICC stuff's more important than that. But to watch the interinsulars is amazing. Just, you know, the way the crowd's there and everything. And you can see the build-up to it and the passion towards it and whatever. It's unbelievable. And obviously, for me, that's the biggest disappointment. We never got to, well, we never got to beat Jersey um, while I was there. But if you look at, if you look at the games and how they go about them, I mean, Jersey have got one hell of a team, unfortunately. And it's, it's one of them where the second you boys beat them, I'll be straight on a flight down the doghouse. Nothing <laughs> to do with you. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, in, I can certainly remember two games where we got exceptionally close. One in Jersey in the T20 where, I mean, John T pulled off, pulled off a excellent bit of fielding to pretty much win that game for them. And then last year, obviously, we got down to a super over and it just didn't go our way. Um, and we actually did very well in, in both of those games. Yeah, I think, I think like I say, looking, looking at it, it's one of them where, you know, I think it makes it hard for the island of Guernsey because all, all we ever do throughout the youth systems and the senior team is we, held ourselves, we hold ourselves accountable to Jersey. You know, Jersey are a completely different animal. They've got slightly more people, but just their sort of mentality of how they, you know, they've got lads there who are desperate professional cricketers, you know, they're very well organised. You know, in general, all that ever happens is, you know, like you were saying about the youth system this winter, you have a great winter with the kids. They're all enjoying it. They're all getting better. We go over to the jersey, get thumped, and it sort of then puts you on the back foot again. And it's just like, I think it's good to play the games, but we, we need to potentially start assessing uh, success and failure slightly differently than just how we go against jersey. You know, yes, we want to compete with them and stuff, but I mean... We're, we're always on the back foot a little bit, you know, we're, we're always the underdog with it and we have got a chance to beat them on the time, but I would imagine they'll beat us more often than we'll beat them, you know, and if we get if we beat them one year, suddenly it would be amazing. If we lose to them the year after, we're absolutely rubbish, you know, it's not quite that. Yeah, so, no, definitely. Bowled him! Beautiful bit of bowling from William Peatfield. The stump comes crashing out the ground and that's a big wicket here in Guernsey versus Denmark at the KG5. That's the first wicket. Letizier is the one who strikes. He gives it a big celebration. He writes it up in the book. He notes it down and sends them off. That Manfred Singh to that list. That's the breakthrough Letizier needed. That's the breakthrough Guernsey needed. And that's the breakthrough. And Mark Ladder to my left one. It's a big smile on his face. And a wonderful shot there. Cover drive for four. Stokes already finding the boundary twice in this game. Just a couple of sort of quick fire questions. Did you play any other sports? At a young age, or was it always solely on cricket? Football and uh, squash. But that was not competitive squash, but just a bit of squash. But football was my main other sport, like everyone. Who's the best player you've played with or against or even coached? Oh, I, well, I was lucky. I made my debut against Pakistan. And I played against Wazim Akram and Shoaib Akhtar. And Wazim Akram, I mean, he just... He just kept hitting me on the leg before he bowled me out, basically. So he he was unbelievable. I've, still to this day, I just I've never ever faced anything like 
like him. I mean, you're trying to get down to show back to end, who bowled about four yards quicker. It was I just it was unbelievable. Um, and then actually, again, with my actual championship debut, um, Steve Wall was playing oh, right. for Kent. Yeah. So, you know, I was actually, I don't know how I ended up playing in most of the games. Because when I look back, when you said to me about trying to think of a team that you played with or played against, back then, obviously, there was a lot of, the overseas were big guns. Yeah. And I was going through the list and I was just thinking, how the hell did I end up playing any of them games? Because <laughs> <laughs> obviously, luckily, they were all pick bowlers. So they needed a few rats and mice for batters or I wouldn't have got in. And, th- and then on that as well, um, leading on from, from your playing days, uh, who was the best coach that you've, you've come across? Uh, best coach? Yeah. Uh, Trent Woodhill by a long way. Yeah, so I mean, he's still doing quite a lot out in the big bash and uh, very much franchise-based now, isn't he? Yeah, he's, I'm quite lucky because I've sort of known him quite a year, so he's ended up sort of taking me on as a bit of a, a mentoring project at the minute. But he's just, he's a different level because what he's, um, he looks at movement and mechanics a lot. You know, I think it's one of them where because he's not played much cricket as well, he has to, you know, to get to where he is, he's had to absolutely study the game. He's had to make a lot of people better to get where he is. You know, he can't fall back on the net, his name he's got or whatever. Not that name cricketers don't make very good coaches. Um, but that, I think that's what sets him apart from other people. And I know that, I mean, the calibre of players he looks after still is, is unbelievable. And they all keep going back to him. So he's, he's a great man to talk to. So yeah, you, you, with with your coaching and um, speaking about Trent Woodhill, um, you did also do a stint out in Bangladesh for the Bangladesh Premier League. Yeah, that was it was a, it was awesome long trip, but it was awesome because obviously with with the way that Guernsey works, is we we sort of have a little period where you could get away if you needed to. Um, so I was lucky enough to go over to uh, do it for the Rajshari Kings, who basically they they needed a a sort of an English Aussie whatever coach to look after their overseas players because the, the head coach was a Bangladeshi and the support staff were Bangladeshi. So they decided they wanted someone to go there. So I was looking to go over there. It was amazing. It was one of my um, one of my favourite things that I'd actually done because of the sort of people you end up getting to work with. Um, and again, for coaching, it was quite a big thing for us because you walk into a changing room with quite a few big guns and you like you don't know how to handle it. But what I realised is people don't care who you are. What they care is what you can offer them. So if you can offer something decent, then they like you. If they don't like what you want, they're not bothered. You know what I mean? So it was more about what you could offer them than, than who you were. And it again, it gave me a bit more confidence for the for the people that I work with and sort of said, well, actually, I can help help players and do whatever. But amazing trip, very long. Um, I'd love to do it again. Yeah, no, definitely. Following Guernsey, uh, you've moved back to Sussex. Um, taking a role in the pathways there, doing a bit of schools coaching, I believe, and also working with quite a few of the first team as well. You know, what's your role now? How how's that come about? Well, yeah, I mean, it was going really well actually. I was having it was because what happens at Sussex is the um, um, Dizzy is in Australia through the winter, so they always need a little bit of extra help, and they haven't previously had a batting coach, so. Yeah, got in and, and I was having a strong winter. It was actually really good just, just being back. It was, you know, it was excellent to get going What with, this, with the school at Hurst uh, uh, as well. Um, you know, busy times and it was all going nicely. Looking forward to the season. And then unfortunately, uh, COVID happened. So it's put us all on the, the back foot a little bit um, of late in the UK. Because it was like, like you said yourself, we put a lot of hard work into the winter and then suddenly to come in to hit this, you, you don't really see what we, you've done. You know, you, you put all the prep in, but it's really about the playing 
for it. But it, it's just such a different animal again because, you know, suddenly I'm in a pathway with, like I said, 700, 800 kids who are all desperate to be professional cricketers. You know, you've then got academy boys who are desperate to be professional cricketers. You've got the professional cricketers who are just desperate to get better. So, you know, and then your coaches around you. I mean, I spent one day, Andy Flower came down for the day, you know, and, and stuff like that. And then again, like you boys were there doing your level three and there's a few coaches who come off that and stuff. So just to be back in that in sort of environment where you're not on your own and being like that learning environment, just from other coaches and that, it's been... It's been awesome. It's been really good, even though there's a lot more. It's just, it's just like I say, it's, it's just a completely different animal. Guernsey is awesome, but you can't put an English system into Guernsey. You know what I mean? Guernsey, that's why it's good now that you boys are there doing such a great job because you need that bit of local knowledge to know how to get the best out of boys sort of thing, which an English bloke comes in, it takes you a year and a half to figure out what's going on. And you've yeah. almost wasted a year and a half. So I think it's awesome what's happening at the minute. Yeah, and you mentioned the level three there. So obviously Harry Finch is is on mine. I know that he's loving having you back because you did a bit of work with him previous to Guernsey, uh, and and now back coaching him again. He's, he's someone that uh, whenever well, I watched him in the nets when you were throwing at him when I was last over. He looks like he's come on loads. Um, so I, I was expecting quite big things of him this this summer. To be fair, hopefully. I mean, Harry is he's awesome. He's a, he's a, he's an awesome he's an awesome cricketer. You know, he's got such talent. And when he when he gets himself sort, he's probably one of the better out. You know, he's done, he's had intermittent success in the first team. You know, he's done well, he's not done so well. So it was going to be a big, big year for him. Um, he definitely got the, the talent to do it. I think what you find with a lot of the professional cricketers is we've got so far in about facilitating practice and letting them get on with it. Well, actually, I found that people do want to help. You know, everyone wants to get better, you know. Even professional cricketers, there's, there's sort of, I don't know, because they get left alone a lot, they don't actually get any help. You know, a lot of people throw balls at them and stuff like that. So where it's helped for me a lot is I've just come in and looked at movement, just pure movement, you know, to try and make them look like they move better, which they've all done before. So if they've done it before, it's easy for me to get them to repeat it. Where I think where other coaches come in and talking about game plans and stuff like that, you know, I don't touch that at all. That's over to Swifty and the other lads. So for me, it's been quite nice. I almost come in, give them a bit of an OT, say, look, this is how you move at your best. This yeah. is when you, what you did when you played best. Right, see if you can repeat it under pressure. Right, now you've got your building blocks. Go off and see your, your big gun coaches, you know, your Andy Flowers and those guys, and they'll, they'll talk to you about the game of cricket. So by actually becoming more specific in what I've done, I've actually ended up having a lot more success, which, is, which has been nice. No, I think, I think that's definitely worked as well. Certainly for me, you know, in the last sort of um, six, 12 months of, of your reign in Guernsey, we did quite a lot of work on that, which was... Uh, fascinating which actually is you know for me it's all about contact and where I make contact which we did we did that um, and I could certainly see the sort of same thing I had a chat with Finchie about it when I was last over and he, he said the same thing he said yeah I now fully understand how I should bat and, and how I go about it the, the other one I saw you working with Laurie Evans he, he's quite a talent as well he seems to strike quite a clean ball yeah, what's well, nice to me with them, I've actually been lucky because most all the lads who are sort of white ballers seem to come to us because, like what you said there, I work on contact points. So it's quite nice with the two lads there, they're almost a different movement type slightly. So it, it's, it's quite nice to, to work with both because you can you can get both both ends of the scale for it. Again, it's, it's, it's brilliant. I think the more people you work with, the better it is because it, the hardest thing is you know, trying to get your point across or getting the best out of the player is 
is different from player to player. So someone like a Finchy and a Laurie are just completely different like cats, if you know what I mean. But at the end of the day, all they're wanting to do is actually feel good and get better. Um, and I think if you can if you can help lads feel a bit better, and I'm not talking like a bit of a bullshitting, like, well done, mate, you've done awesome. Actually, like specifically, this is what you've done. And it makes them feel good. Well, it's actually quite a nice feeling as a coach. You know, it's sort of what you do your coaching for when you've come out of the winter and you can see the lads getting better and they come back to you. It, it, it's, yeah, it makes you, feel, makes you feel good. I definitely, I definitely enjoy individual coaching more than I did head coaching. I think yeah. um, because I think that's my set. You know, I loved being the head coach of Guernsey, but I think when you look at skill sets and stuff, you know, my my passions in in movement and batting coaching, and and I think that's what I'm better at, if, if I'm honest. So sorry, boys. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's interesting you say that because I, I'm pretty much a similar sort of mould as that. I'm really passionate about batting and fielding, whereas bowling, I don't know too much. You know, I know about bowling, but. I haven't actually experienced it myself. So that, that's a difficult one. Whenever I come to coach that, I always have to mm. really go back to basics and really think about how it is, whereas batting is so natural. And obviously fielding, mm. I'm pretty passionate on anyway. So that's all pretty natural because I've got such experiences from it. So yeah, I, I fully understand and fully appreciate what you're saying there. Yeah, I think what we do is we sometimes as coaches, we fall into a bit of a mould of we have to do absolutely everything. Now, at some point we do, because we all work in youth systems and stuff, where you're going to coach bowlers, I'll coach bowlers, whatever, and we've got enough knowledge to do that. You know, but I think when you, the more coaching you do, and I mean, I've done so low, like internships here, there and everywhere, to try and figure out what I like doing best. But where, when I was perhaps younger, I was so scared of specialising because I hadn't got a good enough, big enough name as a cricketer, well, what I've found now, the more I specialise in an area, actually the more successful I've become, rather than being just a broad opening. So even like I say, from going to batting, to moving, to white ball, well, suddenly I'm getting a lot more people to work with and I'm getting a lot more success and making it better. So it's there, where potentially six years ago, I'd have tried to do a little bit of everything and it didn't quite work. Then if you go on the other foot and look at someone like Dizzy, I mean, he, he doesn't really do much bowling coaching. He's just a head coach, but he's awesome at it. You know what I mean? So I think what you do is you, once you've done as much coaching as you can, you'll find what you've got most passion about and where you're best at. And it, it's sort of different for everyone. Yeah, with, with like your future plans and, you know, what, what you want to achieve within coaching. Um, I, th- I think you've sort of touched on it there where you said, you know, probably head coaching isn't for you, but more of a specialist coach, probably particularly in, in white ball cricket. Yeah, I mean, look, for me, I'm just, it's one of them where I love my white ball coaching, I love my, my batting coaching, movement coaching. So I just, you know, anyone I work with who wants it, I give as much passion as I can, hopefully make them better. And I'll see as as far as I can possibly get. I'd love to get back involved in the franchise stuff, but I'm sure a lot of people would. So we'll 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 see what happens. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens this summer with the hundred. At the moment, it might not even go ahead. Obviously, quite a lot of finance being pumped into that. It's a mm. brand new competition, but it could potentially fall flat on its face before it's even started. Yeah, I don't. Unfortunately, I don't think it's going to happen. I think the, they're almost in the stage of postponing it till next summer. I think they're, what they're trying to do is they're hoping to get kids cricket out from, like I say, July and August, if it, if we can, which is probably unlikely. But the thing they're holding their hat on is if they can somehow get the T20 comp out this year, that's probably what they'll, they'll try and do, which would more likely be, I don't know, September. Yeah. But again, it, it's tight because we don't know what's going on. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. We don't actually know exactly what the season will look like. We don't know what's going on at the moment. We've spoken about potentially extending the season a bit further into September. We usually finish the first week of September, as you know, but 
there's nothing saying that we couldn't extend it. Obviously, it's been a bit inconvenient in other sports, but you know what? What more can you do? It must be hard on Ireland because obviously for you boys, I mean, like, yeah, I mean that's you know you 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 could end up just suddenly flying out without without bowling a ball. It's 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 tough. Yeah. And I know on Ireland, I know obviously we struggle sometimes to get teams out in the uh, in the top division, but. Cricket on Ireland's massive. You know, people people love it. You know, so I can see why the why the it, it might work that by missing out, they realise actually how much work uh, is put into the cricket and how much they actually enjoy it. So you never know. The positive might come out of it. I mean, I've I've pretty much made a net in my back garden, so I've only got a, a thin strip down the side. But I took the cannon machine back home yesterday, and it's down the side of the shed, firing tennis balls out. Just, just grooving some technique stuff. I'm sure my neighbours absolutely love me for it. Love me tennis racket. <laughs> tennis is still there. I've been doing some stuff with tennis. Yeah, we, we mentioned about you creating a team of players you played with or against, your best ever 11. So do you want to fire away with them, maybe with some reasons as to why you, know, you selected certain players? Right, let's have a look here. So I went for, first of all, people I actually played against. Because uh, like I said, I was lucky enough to make a debut against Pakistan. And I also played against India, I think it was India A, in some sort of warm-up game. So, like I said to you, show a back top, just because he was he was the quickest bowler I've ever faced. He was he was rapid um, for a mill. But luckily, we played him at Grace Road, so it was a bit of a slow deck. <laughs> uh, Wazim Akram also played in that game, who's obviously, his stats and everything speak for himself. But I think when once we faced him, it was just like I saw the ball and then it just hit me on the pad. I just It was just the late swing. It just kept nailing me in the knee roll. It was, yeah, it was embarrassing, really. And then we, who else played? Sacklane played in that game, and he was trying to perfect his one that went away, um, which was which was awesome for us. Now, luckily in the game for us, he only bowled the one that went away because he was trying to practice it. So it gave us a bit more of a chance to face him. But yeah, that was that was a massive debut because I think with, with going back to show him, I, my asset as an opener was almost against playing against quick bowlers and I'd face quick bowlers all the time because you didn't really have the stats and you know you didn't have the analysis back then as you do now I just kept thinking to myself well, he's the fastest bowler in the world well how fast can he be I faced some bloke the other day and I could hardly play against him so he got to be faster than him because he's that so I was literally panicking it was awful luckily I'd faced him in the one day or the day before and I took a punt that he was going to aim at my stump, so I just lobbed forward and got a forward defensive out. Once I once faced him, I was suddenly like, right, well, that's how quick he bowls. It's quick, but you can move. So, so it was all right. They beat us in two days. <laughs> um, then India, they had a few playing for them. They had um, Sehwag played at the time, and Azradin. Obviously, he was a bit of a legend. I think he got enough yeah. match fixed in. Then, like I said earlier, I think he said Mark Ward played against, played against him against Kent. He made his debut against Kent when I made mine, which was good. He, um, the actual with him, what happened was it was actually my debut, and I think I got, I think I got one. Min Patel got me out, and I remember my dad going nuts at me saying, "How did Min Patel get you out?" And I said, oh, "It was a decent ball. He nicked me off, caught slip." But what had actually happened? I'd taken a massive dirty hack at him and got caught at extra cover by Wall. So unfortunately it was in the paper the next day because it was him taking his catch and I'm in the background in all sorts of horrible shapes. <laughs> so my dad found out that I nicked off and went nuts. Um Leicester wise, I mean we used to we were very lucky we used to have so many sort of overseas and at the time I think we when I first signed on we won the championship two years on the bump. So we had some big guns that I've not been able to mention here but 
the ones I mentioned are Chris Lewis. I mean, at the time, fielding was fairly average, and he was he was he was brilliant um, for it all. He he was really good, and he was actually quite a good bloke to us for whatever reason. As one of the big guys, Phil Simmons came as an overseas who literally ripped English cricket apart. He had Phil Freitas came and played at the back end. He only bowled whiff at the end, but I mean, he took loads of wickets because he just swung it both ways. Devon Malcolm, like I said, another bloke who bowled gas, and he was just a just a great bloke. So so funny around the changing room and and everything with him. But um, I remember I was a runner for him once when he got injured. It was just an absolute between me and him. It was just an absolute debacle. It was awful. I mean, I think we missed out on about ten runs. We're at each other's end most of the time. Michael Bevan came for a little stint. It was always pretty good to, he, he basically, I was more 12th man when he was there and he literally abused me. I was literally washing his pants for him, take, putting his gloves in the right order, all sorts of stuff. And he was sort um, of ahead of his time as a, a finisher in one day cricket, wasn't he really? He, he sort of set that, what, what's now he, he was, standard one day cricket cricketer, he's he sort of miles the streets above that. Yeah, it was amazing. It was, it was a strange situation there because he, he came to Leicester and he was the best one-day player in the world. But it was, again, the 50-over cricket stuff. You, you, didn't really, you probably went at a run of ball, you know, nothing quicker. So, I mean, he never really went above a run of ball. And he never hit any sixes, but he was always not out. So he won you so many games of cricket. Yeah. Um, but he was awkward in the changing room because I think Dev had played against him in the test cricket and bounced him. And he, the, there was a rumour going around that he couldn't play the short ball or stuff. And basically, Dev had ruined his test career and then they'll play in the same changing room and Bevan was he was he was an alright bloke but he was typical sort of like how you stereotype Ozzy he wasn't that keen you know he was pretty brutal so that, that sort of split the changing room a little bit um, but yeah and then we had, and then I, I was looking for under 19s Ian Bell played in my 19s he was a year younger but he came up I remember at the time everyone was like how the hell is he playing for us like can't get off the block but he's, the, he's the only one who made it out of all of us so um, they obviously knew something that we didn't back then. Pasty saw him at a young age as well, and he said they used to just come down technically amazing, and he yeah. said they just couldn't get it off the square. And he said, and all of a sudden, one year it just clicked, and everything came together. And he said, and what I mean, his cover drive is something else, isn't it? Just lovely to watch. Yeah. I think that's what it was. It was just like, like we say, we couldn't couldn't believe it that he was playing. And then out of all my 19s, he's he's really the only one who's gone on and made it. Which is which is obviously what they saw in him. That's that's probably and obviously I probably have to say as twelfth man I'll probably put Mark Latter in there for that catch he took at forty five in my first game in Guernsey for <laughs> whoever we're playing for. <laughs> Don't tell him I that. I think he got a problem with it. I, I think well. he still I think he still has himself up there as one of the greatest bowlers in Guernsey. He tells me in the office. How's he doing with lockdown? Is he still at the ground or did he get home? Oh, he's he's. I think he's still working from about three in the morning to about twelve at night. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's um he's, he is at home. We are we do check in every now and again. So yeah, he's he's not at the at the ground, which is strange. Wow, the, the ground staff are loving it though because no one's using their outfit, all their pitches. Uh, so yeah, okay. you know the the thing they prepare for everyone to use that they don't like using is, is now getting it exactly <laughs> as they want. <laughs> Who's does Stu talk to every day then? Himself, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Just talks himself through his 16 interinsulars, as he keeps mentioning. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Now, it's been really good to catch up uh, once again. And thanks very much for, for jumping on the pod. Hopefully, nice. he gets a few, a few hits as well. Yeah, happy days. Probably not. Right, I'll see you in a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Please. No.
Thank you for listening to the Guernsey Cricket Podcast. Remember to hit the subscribe button and stay safe.